Welcome to the Triple F Podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not-so-hidden temptations. We are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring to the show people who know what they're talking about and help you with some of these aspects of your life. You live life only once, so why not live a life worth living? On the show today, we have Anthony Laporta of The Aviary. The Aviary is a swanky cocktail lounge with intricate drinks in a super creative presentations and clever small bites. We actually had the chance to do this at the chef's table in the aviary, so there'll be a few distractions going on in the background, but he and I both discussed we want to keep that into the interview so you guys have a real feel for what it's like working during the day. We actually had to conduct this interview at a noon lunch hour, so he had people working all around him, getting things prepared for tonight. I had a chance to kind of tour all around it. It's absolutely phenomenal. I'm really excited about what Anthony has to share with us, so enjoy. So Anthony, tell us what you do for a living. Uh, I work in a restaurant. I'm the assistant general manager at the Aviary in Chicago. Okay, and so what is uh, the Aviary all about? I heard a couple of things here and there. Uh, tell us a little about the Aviary. At the end of the day, the Aviary is a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's a unique spot. It has a very interesting vibe to it. Um, it's not really like any other bar I've ever heard of. Um, but it is a bar. You come in, and you have cocktails and food, you enjoy your time more than anything. Okay, great. So like, uh, as the assistant manager, general manager, does that mean you've been here like a while, or like what's kind of background on yourself? How did you get like involved in uh, bartending and like managing a bar? Just kind of fall upon it like post college. Just that hey, I'm gonna go to college and drink like everyone else, and then I'll just manage a bar now. You know, I was actually in school uh, for biochemistry. Okay. I, I did three years of a biochemistry degree with every intent on taking my MCAT uh, and going to school to be a doctor. And after working here for six months, I quit. I quit to work in a restaurant instead, in a bar instead. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a fun conversation with the parents, let me tell you. <laughs> Familiar. I've worked in restaurants most of my life. Okay. It's, it's the kind of work that you can do anywhere. You know, I, I had the, the great fortune of opportunity to travel quite a bit when I was young. When I graduated high school, I went all over the country. I went to Europe and Australia. Um, and I funded all of it by working in restaurants. Mm-hmm. You know, I was allowed to work as many or as few hours as I wanted. On the days that I wanted, I could have two jobs at once and not worry about them overlapping if I wanted to. Um, this is, this company, this place, the Aviary, the Alinea Group in general, it's kind of the pinnacle of the restaurant world. I mean, there, there are definitely other places that are at this level, but mm-hmm. this is about as, as high up as it gets from an employee's perspective. Okay. And, you know, what we do is kind of the top of the game. Um, working with incredible ingredients, working with in- incredible space, um, the ability to showcase techniques, to showcase flavors that a standard bar doesn't necessarily have access to, okay. you know, uh, and, and to do it in such a way that people are happy and comfortable and that it's approachable, that it can literally be cocktails after work mm-hmm. or the experience of a lifetime if you make it. It's different. So walk us through what an experience would be for someone that came here. What like, kind of separates the aviary from everything else as a bar that you're using the word experience? Uh, more than anything, um, more more importantly to us than rankings, more importantly to us than accolades, uh, we're very happy to do something unique. Um, you know, 
We have 38 kinds of ice on our menu right now. Flavors, shapes, sizes. There are four people on my staff whose entire job is to freeze and carve ice. Mm -hmm. uh, and that in itself is, is kind of wild when you think about it. Yes, very much. Uh, <laughs> I can think like two, crush, not crush. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we create cocktails, uh, sometimes with flavors that are wholly unlike cocktails that have, have come before them. Uh, there, there are cocktails in our menu that are kind of direct descendants, direct cousins or relatives of things like an Old Fashioned mm -hmm. or like a Manhattan. And you get them and you think, man, I've had something like this before. This is so unique. This is so different. But it reminds me of something. And then you have other cocktails that are kind of off the wall, kind of wacky. Uh, carbonated, savory banana and curry, mm -hmm. you know, with cognac and rum in a cocktail. Uh, served with deep fried bananas and coconut. It's unique. So is your background from college kind of what attracted you to come work at a bar that serves such wild and crazy cocktails? You know, a hard science background comes in really handy <laughs> on a daily basis, I'm sure you can imagine. But more than anything, uh, what drove me mm -hmm. to want to do this was being able to take pride in something that I've always enjoyed. Okay. You know, having worked in restaurants for most of my life, and I mean every style of restaurant you can imagine. Uh, <laughs> We won't get specific, but places you'd never guess. Right. Uh, from as corporate as it gets to mom and pop joints to literally being at a greasy spoon diner behind a countertop. Uh, you know, it's never necessarily about where you come from. It's just a desire to want to do more. Right. You know, and I tell that to people that come in here all the time. What brought me, what really, really pulled me in was doing something that I've done my entire life at a level that was beyond what I thought it could be mm -hmm. and doing it with such devotion to the craft you know my first employee was here at 11.45 he's going to be here until 11 o'clock at night you know the chefs my, the, the man who was walking me around the building mm -hmm. he, he's one of the chefs here he's going to be here until 4 in the morning yeah it's a long day <laughs> and not just that I mean yeah it's a long day but the amount of work we put into it right. you know the, the amount of time and effort of our day of our life that goes into our job and wanting to do that mm -hmm. I, I have no desire to work anywhere else, to be doing anything else. I'll retire with this company as far as I'm concerned. At 26 years old, I can comfortably say that. <laughs> it's kind of wild. Yes. Especially in an industry that is kind of marked by its transients. You have people who will work somewhere for a year and they're considered, you know, a tenured employee. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, kind of wild. So you touched on uh, some of the drinks and then we also touched on that you have chefs. What kind of food uh, is on the menu here? <laughs> um, so I mentioned we have a, a kitchen table experience. Seven courses, seven cocktails. Um, the first course right now is bellinis and caviar. Okay. Gold nose cetra caviar with handmade potato and flour bellinis. Um, creme fraiche, preserved Meyer lemon. It's the kind of thing you'd see in a fine dining restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, likewise, on our standard menu, we serve chicharron, fried pork skin. Okay. You know, uh, and it, I mean, it, it looks unlike any fried pork skin you've ever seen, and it's dusted with salt and vinegar powder that we spent kind of weeks getting right. But it's pork rinds, you know. <laughs> the whole idea of all of it is that we do, we want to be able to serve incredible things, mm -hmm. but we want it to be approachable. So yeah, I'm going to serve you a drink in a plastic stadium cup that comes with a popsicle, and you're going to be eating caviar while you drink it. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Uh, it, it's, it's very counterintuitive from what you'd expect from the Alinea group mm -hmm. in a way that you know, you look, look at a place like Next, you look at a place like Alinea, and they're reserved as these kind of cathedrals of service and, and, and ingredient and, and product. 
mm-hmm. and in, in some ways they really are. It's, right. it's an, a beautiful experience if you've never had it. And here at the aviary, we have that pedigree, we have that backing, we have that sort of drive and attention to our detail. But it, at the same time, it has this this kind of whimsy to it. It has this really approachable sort of every man cocktail bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, no, it's not beers and shots, right. but <laughs> anybody can walk in off the street and have a cocktail. Mm-hmm. There's there's no real rules about it. Like I said, the only people that I don't think want to be in the aviary, the people want to be in the office. Right. And it's a whole other ballgame. So let's uh, let's break down kind of the uh, the layout of the aviary. You touched on the office, touched on the aviary. When someone walks in the door, what are they kind of uh, experiencing? Uh, most people don't know the office exists, not because it's uh, an intentionally kept secret uh, per se, but it's a small space by reservation only, um, and it's it's in our basement behind a locked on marked door. Uh, it, it does kind of have a speakeasy feel to it. It's not really an appropriate word to use because it's you know not actually a speakeasy, but it's it's a word that you can say that people can relate to. Makes sense. Um, the aviary itself is. 26 tables, um, seven of which are standing room only. They're typically held for people who are walking up who don't have a reservation. Mm-hmm. Um, in very rare cases, you'll have somebody with a reservation who wants to stand because they want to experience the kitchen, through which we're very happy to accommodate. Um, but for the most part, someone with a reservation is going to come in, they're going to sit down, they're going to have a designed experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and we structure it from start to finish. Some of them are completely out of the guest hands. It's chosen by the chefs. Some of them are down to guest discretion. Um, our three-course cocktail menu is more more along the idea of a dinner than anything. Mm-hmm. Your first cocktail is bright and refreshing. It's kind of meant to hit your palate and prep it. It will leave you wanting more. The second cocktail is a bit more savory and a bit more bold. It might have a more spirit-forward flavor. It might just have a, a bit more of a rich taste and texture. The third cocktail is kind of designed to be something after-dinner style. Mm-hmm. You know, something like an old-fashioned, like a Manhattan, that sipping category of cocktail. Um, I would say a majority of our guests who make a reservation mm-hmm. reserve for this prefix style of drinking. Okay. Um, and and it, it's a little odd when you think about cocktailing. You know, you go and you order three drinks at once and you just sit and they bring them to you when you're ready. Kind of drinking with structure, mm-hmm. which yeah. is kind of completely counterintuitive to what drinking normally is. Um, and it, it takes some people by surprise, but in a lot of ways it's great. You know, they, they look at a menu once, they never have to look at it again. Mm-hmm. And it, it just gives them a chance to relax and enjoy themselves and enjoy the cocktails and enjoy their company. Um, then we have guests who can reserve essentially just a seat, okay. a $20 deposit per person, um, up to a group of six. And they come in maybe knowing more, maybe knowing nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put a menu in front of them, we walk them through what we do. They can then, with that deposit, uh, get one of the prefix experiences. It's essentially just a, a prepayment amount that goes directly to your final bill. Um, and you can spend it in any way you see fit. Um, from that deposit, it can be one round of cocktails. It could be a five-course cocktail experience with food paired, uh, just depending on what the guest is really looking for. So with the groups of cocktails, how does it work that the client knows which cocktail goes with which time of it? You said three different parts, right? Yeah. So how we actually, on down? the menu, we have it structured out. Okay. Um, when you order a prefix, your server is going to say, now there's three cocktails, uh, three categories here. You're going to choose one drink from each of these three categories. And I mean, on our menu, there's the a la carte section, mm-hmm. and then there's that prefix section in the center. Not all of the cocktails on the prefix menu, uh, not all of the cocktails on the menu are on the prefix menu. Mm-hmm. It's essentially broken down into things that will pair well together regardless of what combination you get. Okay. But all of those cocktails are on the a la carte menu. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're getting something 
uh, different, something exclusive by getting this menu. It's just drinking with a little bit of intention mm -hmm. uh, rather than kind of haphazardly ordering a drink and then something else. <laughs> In a lot of ways, it's a great service mm -hmm. because, you know, you go to a bar, you kind of order what you've always ordered. Um, and you might be ordering a drink that doesn't necessarily go with the drink you just had before. And for better or for worse, you know, who, who's to say what's good and what's not. Mm -hmm. But when you have that structured progression, the first cocktail you get is kind of designed to be a little lighter on your palate flavor-wise. Mm -hmm. It's not that it has any less alcohol. It's just designed to be a little easier to drink. Something you would kind of imagine uh, starting your night with. Something typically carbonated. Something lighter in flavor. Maybe citrusing notes. Not too fruity. Not too tropical. Just an easy drink to drink. Uh, the second cocktail is going to kind of work in tandem with it. It's going to have some of those same notes, some of those same ideas, kind of that easier drinking category, but it's going to be notably different. Um, some are going to be a little more spirit forward, the kind of people who are going to want to finish with that big round uh, Old Fashioned or Manhattan. Mm -hmm. They're going to want something that's going to be a step forward flavor-wise. Um, so we have those options available. There's also some co uh, cocktails on that progression that are going to maybe be a little more dessert-esque. Mm. Not that they're sweet cocktails, not that they're, you know, chocolatinis, but they're, they're drinks kind of designed to make your mind think of dessert. Maybe horchata-based. Maybe, uh, you know, coffee of some kind. Depending. So do you want to go into some more details about, like, the drinks you guys have on the menu? So yeah. definitely not the, the usual drinks, like not a vodka martini or... There's actually no vodka in the building. <laughs> uh, we don't use it. Um, and there's nothing wrong with vodka... Really, there isn't. <laughs> the Russians. <laughs> yeah, there, there's not a single thing wrong with it, but it's designed to be a flavorless, tasteless alcohol. It essentially provides booze to a drink, and sometimes it's exactly what you need. Uh, sometimes, if you have a, a really flavorful cocktail, but the proof isn't there, let's say you use a lot of like fortified wines mm -hmm. to make a really great flavor, but you want it to actually hit like a cocktail, mm -hmm. you want to use something that's not going to take away from the flavors that already exist. Vodka definitely has a place. Mm -hmm. um, but in our cocktails, we typically use things that have a lot of flavor. And we're going to use those flavors sometimes in ways you'd never expect. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, I mentioned we have an horchata cocktail. Um, and it's made with um, almonds and, and a lot of baking spices and peach. The base is whiskey, an unaged uh, white whiskey. So it has just this huge amount of taste, a mm -hmm. uh, flavor to it. And you know, you put it in somebody, in, in front of somebody, and they're expecting a rum cocktail, like a rum chata, or, or maybe even like tequila based. But it isn't. The, I think our biggest hurdle is taking those ingredients out of somebody's hands and, and convincing them that even though you've had a couple of bad days over the course of your, your life with tequila, um, it's not all going to hit you the same way. Um, I, I've heard that so many times. Like, I don't drink tequila. I don't drink whatever. Because like this one time in college, after like a football game, I already had 20 drinks. I had some tequila and I puked. Okay, well, there's some other reasons wrong with that scenario than this well, one shot tequila you had. If, if I don't hear someone say that five times a day, I'm surprised. Um, and alcohol is a, a part of cuisine. It's, it's mm -hmm. a part of uh, the culinary scene that isn't really understood or explored by a lot of people. I mean, everybody gets into wine, and, and wine pairings are beautiful and kind of the, the depth of it all. But spirits go just as deep, and a lot of people don't actually know that. Uh, you know, they're, they're familiar with Jack Daniels, they're familiar with Captain Morgan. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with those products, but there's more. You know, there, there are more independent bottlings of spirits these days than there have ever been. Mm -hmm. there, there are people doing things in, in ways and techniques now that haven't been seen for years. Yeah, it, it's, it's incredible to be in the scene, to kind of be working with ingredients that haven't existed. You know, things like creme de violette, things like Americone, they, they vanished, and they're back now. Mm -hmm. With our cocktails, with what we do, um, we want to use things in ways that 
sometimes you wouldn't expect or sometimes you, you wouldn't think of. Um, and we want to showcase those ingredients. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a cocktail on our menu with kind of a crazy amount of ingredients, 30 plus. Uh, it tastes like carrot cake. It literally tastes like liquefied carrot cake. Mm -hmm. It took our beverage director over two years to get that cocktail right. That's crazy. He, yeah, kind of is when you think about it. I mean, the cocktails. You know, who, who puts that much effort into a cocktail? We do. <laughs> um, but and then there's old standbys. We, we have a cocktail. Uh, we have a presentation that we're really well known for. It's called In the Rocks. Okay. Um, it's essentially a cocktail frozen inside of an ice cube. We bring it to your table, and then you break it open with a slingshot. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if you saw that when you were visiting I had us, one, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, the cocktail inside of it is a kind of a rich, heavy, smooth, boozy, spirits cocktail. Mm -hmm. um, kind of with direct descendant from a Manhattan. Uh, so, we have cocktails that are going to be kind of safer bets. You know, I say that with quotations because you don't want to make anybody so uncomfortable they want to have what you're drinking. We want to have some, something on our menu that you can relate to. Um, but at the same time, we have cocktails that are so wholly unlike something you've had in a traditional bar. It's, it's kind of wild. Uh, and it, it, it's not every client, it's not every guest who wants that cocktail. Right. But there's guests who do, and we have them for those guests. It's, it's really cool. It's fun to see people kind of coming out of their traditional cocktail shell. You know, you get people that are whiskey sours. You get people that are Moscow mules. And you're giving them something at the end of the day with Batavia Iraq and hazelnut orgeat and just these, <laughs> these wild esoteric ingredients that they've maybe never encountered. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they end up really enjoying it. And it, it, it shows them something cool, something beautiful that they may never have encountered otherwise. And that really, for me, is, is a beautiful experience. I never go into a guest experience wanting to teach them something. But if I can, mm -hmm. if I can share with them part of this world that we live in, it, it's, it's positive, it's beautiful. So do you have any recommendations for guests that come in, kind of review the website, look at the menu, right? And they're like, I'm usually drink this drink, right? How do like, your staff help them make choices on each of their three or five uh, cocktails for the evening? Because it's gonna be ingredients they're unfamiliar with, things of that nature too. Um, I, I would say the best idea for somebody who has never been here before, who really wants to come, is to book a prefix experience. Okay. Maybe not the five course. The five course is absolutely incredible, but you don't get a chance to actually choose your cocktails. Okay. That's chosen by the chef. And it's an incredible experience, and it, it's really great, especially for a date, because there's literally no decisions to make. Right. You sit down, you relax, you enjoy each other's company, and you have an incredible experience. It ends up being enough food to suffice for dinner, and enough cocktails to, to make everybody feel really great. Um, but the three-course experience gives you a chance to to really get into the menu without necessarily being overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a little more structure to it. Like, okay, you're gonna pick one of these four cocktails, then you're gonna pick one of these four, then you're gonna pick one of these four. And the servers are, are trained, are kind of taught to help you navigate those waters. Mm -hmm. uh, they're all very unique drinks, they're all very unique from each other, even though they kind of complete the same goal. Mm -hmm. They're light, they're refreshing, they're fun, you know, they're heavy, they're bold, they're savory, whatever that goal is. They all get there, but they all get there in very different ways. Okay. Uh, I would say, if you've never been in and you really want to experience what we do, come in with, number one, no preconceived notions, and number two, an open mind. You're probably going to have something you don't normally drink. You might have something you swore you'd never drink again. Mm -hmm. uh, you might have something you've never even heard of. Trusting us to work with the ingredients, kind of having at least a little bit of faith. When I say, you know, this cocktail has a little bit of fennel in it. Fennel kind of tastes like black licorice. Oh, I hate black licorice. I can't stand Jägermeister. I know. No one likes Jägermeister. Uh, <laughs> 
just bear with me for one second, I promise. It's not like you've had before. Mm-hmm. It's a very different experience. And I would say uh, a huge, vast majority of the time, we give somebody a cocktail that they might be a little skeptical of, they end up really enjoying it. And every now and then, it doesn't end up being exactly what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. But a huge, overwhelming percentage of the time, uh, people will get something that they would never have ordered themselves, and they end up really enjoying it. Sometimes they thank us for guiding them towards it. That's, that's cool. And so how does that work for uh, reservations? I love, like, kind of classier restaurants around town, like, you need reservations months out in advance. Do you guys do reservation only? Is like, you need reservations come months out? What's kind of, like, the best way for people to explore the aviary? Uh, the aviary, as with all of the uh, Alinea Group locations, we take reservations up to six weeks in advance. Okay. Um, because of that, there is only a limited amount of time with which you can book, mm-hmm. but we, we typically see reservation availability for most of the week. Friday, Saturday, they, they tend to book out a little faster. Uh, I would say most Saturdays end up being booked two weeks in advance, mm-hmm. completely and totally. Uh, that doesn't mean we don't accommodate walk-up traffic. We actually accommodate a huge number of people who walk up to our door and are looking for a cocktail. It's easier in the summer because we have a patio to play with as well. Um, but there are times when it's, it's a little tougher to get in than others. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday, and now that we're actually open seven days a week, our Mondays and Tuesdays, uh, they tend to have availability reservation-wise. Um, we tend to see huge walk-up traffic on days, those days as well. Uh, it's, it's incredible as a business to see that happen, uh, that much demand, that, that many number of people who really want to experience what we do. Uh, first-time guests, mm-hmm. repeat guests. Believe it or not, uh, as unique of a bar as we are, we actually have regular guests. We have people who come in weekly, which is cool for me. Have, having worked in much more traditional restaurants for most of my life, that sort of interaction is always wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, people who you know, people who sit down and you, you know what they're going to order, you know the kind of cocktail they like. Uh, it, it's, it's great. Um, reservations here are always preferable from a guest standpoint mm-hmm. because it guarantees you're going to walk up to my door and I'm going to have a seat for you. Uh, we do accommodate walk-ups, but sometimes you have to wait. And waiting when you're really in the mood for a cocktail, for me, is never that fun. Uh, <laughs> I think reservations are, are absolutely the way to go. Because you guys are in Fulton Market on the pretty much far west side. So do you guys get a lot of foot traffic, or do a lot of people who are taking the risk to walk out here? The risk? I mean, like, there's not a whole lot else out here for other cocktails. Uh, truth be told, in the last year, I think seven, seven restaurants have opened okay. out here. Um, everything from ramen shops to high-end steakhouses. Mm-hmm. Um, there are Michelin-starred restaurants within a block of us. It's, it's becoming very quickly mm-hmm. the neighborhood in Chicago to go and spend an evening eating and drinking. Uh, and being here, kind of being here for a longer period of time than some. Uh, we've been open almost five years now. Mm-hmm. It, it's an incredible place to be. Uh, I, I have a friend who owns a condo in the, in the neighborhood, and he says in the last four years it's quadrupled in value. It's crazy. Because of how much it's, it's just blown up. Uh, so it's really, really cool to be a part of it. Uh, it's really incredible to be here and see the people on the streets every day. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are in Chicago the first time. And it's, it's such a neat neighborhood. And it has so much now to offer. Um, it's, it's cool. So how would people go ahead and make reservations? Do you have a number to call? That we actually don't have a phone number. Okay. Uh, we don't use a phone number for almost anything. Um, we have a website. And... It actually makes it a lot easier from a guest perspective because you can see every single table available for a night, whether it's sold or unsold, uh, and you can see 
what we have and the time slots that we have available. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait for somebody to kind of check for you. You don't have to really look at it. You can see exactly what we have and the experiences that are available and then book accordingly. Um, and, and sometimes people are really looking just for a $20 deposit and on the only experiences we have left available on our website are the three courses or the five courses. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people don't know is that that amount that you pay can actually be used any way that you want to. Um, if you prepay for two people to come in and have a three-course experience, but you don't actually want to get three cocktails each, spend the money beforehand, come in, get a cocktail, get food, go completely a la carte. Mm-hmm. We don't actually refund anybody who doesn't spend all of their money, um, but typically we see people use what they've already paid and then some. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to be as accommodating as we can. Mm-hmm. And while it's, it's good for us to be able to sell those prefix experiences from a guest perspective, because it, it gives them a chance to see a lot more of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we also understand that not everybody wants to drink three drinks. Right. And, and we're more than happy to accommodate you in a way that you see fit. We actually have a really incredible non-alcoholic menu, believe it or not. Uh, we, we have people on staff who, whose entire position is to design non-alcoholic drinks. Um, so it, it, it's really not a step back mm-hmm. for somebody who doesn't even indulge. Uh, it's pretty cool. So how did uh, the drinks kind of all come to fruition? You mentioned your beverage manager spent two years at one drink alone. How was kind of the menu put together in the first place? Well, some drinks have an inspiration. Uh, some drinks, they start with an ingredient, for example. Uh, to put it really plainly, we had a cocktail once that had Seville oranges. Um, Seville oranges are only in season for a very brief window of time. Mm-hmm. So they set out to make a drink with Seville oranges because we could get them from our produce uh, company and they tasted delicious. Mm-hmm. They wanted to use the ingredient, they designed a cocktail around it. And they designed it fairly quickly because of the brief window of time that they had. We had it on our menu for a matter of weeks. Mm-hmm. The moment that we couldn't get them fresh anymore, we took it off the menu. Um, so sometimes things have uh, an intent. Mm-hmm. Other times they'll have an idea. They'll see an image, they'll see a flavor and they'll kind of work from there. You know, the carrot cake cocktail that you mentioned that took a very long amount of time to get, they, our beverage director wanted to do something like that. Mm-hmm. He said, I wanted it to taste like carrot cake. I don't know how to actually make that happen. I'm going to work on it. It ended up being a little tougher than he expected. Mm-hmm. But at the end of, of, of the process, you get the drink, and I'll put it in front of you. And, and here's, here's a really fun part about what we do. Um, I'm going to put the drink down in front of you, and it's bright orange, and it's got a lot of foam on top, and it looks really beautiful. And I say, this is a glass of liquefied carrot cake. And I don't say a single other word. And people kind of give me a strange look, and they taste it, and they say, "Okay, cool. This is this is liquid carrot cake." Uh, there are some there are some drinks that we serve that need a bit of explanation from the server on how to drink them, on kind of what you're experiencing. There are other cocktails that are an experience enough in themselves, uh, and and. My staff is very comfortable walking you through the entire process. They could tell you every ingredient of every cocktail in my menu. It's kind of a standard. Mm-hmm. But not every guest needs that interaction. You right. know, I don't need to sit in front of a, 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 a group of four people that are coming in to just have a cocktail and enjoy themselves. All the ingredients of every cocktail in front of them. They don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. They want to hear what it's going to taste like. They want to hear how they should enjoy it. And they want to have their drink. Mm-hmm. It's gauging that interaction that makes uh, what we do really fun. Um, the process itself for designing the cocktails can really come from anywhere. Uh, we have a, a really beautiful glass, actually, if you look to your left, mm-hmm. it has a, a glass straw attached oh, yeah. to it. It's this really interesting uh, hand-blown design. Um, and the story goes, and I'm not entirely certain if this is true, but the story goes that uh, our executive chef, Grant Ackett, he saw the glass, mm-hmm. he bought every one that they had, he brought it here and put it in front of my beverage director and said, put something in this. <laughs> you know, and, and they did, they designed a cocktail. It took them a minute, it took them, a, it took them some time to kind of work with the, the, the vessel, mm-hmm. but it ends up being this incredible two-part cocktail. Uh, so it's, 
it, there's no real hard and fast answer. Mm -hmm. There are three people on staff who have a direct hand in the creation. Okay. Um, Micah Melton, our beverage director, uh, Alexis Tonoko, she's our, our head bartender, mm -hmm. and then Ingi Sigurdsson is our chef de cuisine, okay. which is actually a position you typically see for a kitchen, for food. Uh, we have one for drinks. Okay. All, all of them work service, all of them work with the bar staff. Uh, some of them actually will bartend in the office, which I know we've mentioned once or twice from time to time. Mm -hmm. um, but they, they kind of work in tandem to create the cocktails on the menu. Excellent. So like, people can come here uh, on a date, maybe a group of like three or four, and then are there any like, rooms for like larger? Is that, is that where the office is? They can have like, a larger group down there? Or how does the office look kind of play into the aviary? So the office is uh, a different experience entirely. Okay. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about presentational aspects of the cocktails in the aviary and kind of how it, it, it's rethinking what cocktailing is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, drinking with structure, things like that. The office is intended to feel a little more like a traditional bar. You know, you walk in and it's this plush, carpeted room with leather-bound chairs and an actual uh, bar top for you to sit at, which we don't have in the aviary. Uh, there's vintage spirits bottles all over the room. Uh, our oldest bottle goes back to 1879. That's crazy. It's delicious, too, is the best part. <laughs> um, we have one of the largest vintage spirits collections in town. Um, we may have the largest vintage chartreuse collection on the planet. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's been talked about. Uh, the point is, it, it's a completely separate experience. Mm -hmm. We seat any number of guests in there up to a group of uh, six or seven, is about as comfortable as it can get. We do rent the space for private events. That being said, it's not the same experience as the aviary. We also do private events in the aviary with aviary cocktails, with that kind of fun presentational aspect of things. And the, the most important thing to distinguish between the two spaces is that they are completely separate. Mm -hmm. um, while it's staffed by the same restaurant, while I'm the manager of both of them, uh, they really don't have any overlap as far as product goes, as far as the cocktails themselves are concerned. Mm -hmm. um, the aviary, while it's not actually designed to be focused on the presentation, that's what a lot of people see and that's what a lot of people come for. Mm -hmm. uh, the cocktails get an incredible amount of detail and attention, but there's only a certain number on our menu and those are the only drinks that we can serve. In the office, uh, it, it follows much more of what's called a dealer's choice path. You sit down in the bar, you say, I want a cocktail that tastes like an old-fashioned, or I want an old-fashioned, I want a last word, <laughs> and they'll make you the classic, or they'll have a conversation about it. They say, you know, we can kind of take that idea and we can play with it. An old-fashioned ends up being kind of spirit-forward and smooth, a little bit of sweetness, very easy to drink, so it's a really round, fun-sipping cocktail. I can make that style of drink in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Do you want to see a different kind of take on what an old-fashioned can be? Maybe use a different base spirit, maybe use different bitters. Most people say, yeah, go ahead, please, <laughs> please show me something cool. Some people just want the classic, and that's great. They can do that downstairs. Um, but a lot of what the bartenders behind the bar love to do is experiment with their skill and play with flavor. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, as a server, when I, when I served in that room, the guests would give me a description like, I want a drink that's going to remind me of um, a fishing trip I took with my dad when I was 10. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I want a, a drink that's going to remind me of being in Paris at 20 years old in a rainstorm. And it was one of the coolest moments in my entire life. That's super cool. And then you have to think about what that tastes like. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's almost like this interesting game of telephone. I, as the server, would talk to the guests, I'd hear that description. I'd go to my bartender and I would talk to them about profile. You know, what does Paris in a summer rainstorm taste like? Yeah. You know, what, a, what does a fishing trip taste like? What, what, what do these memories really capture for the person? Mm -hmm. uh, and when you're talking about something that 
deep for people, you are really driven to give them that. And sometimes it's a little more playful. Like, I want to drink Rambo with drink. Uh, I actually once had a table of six people order four rounds of drinks, all with movie characters only. That's crazy. It's kind of wild. But when you think about, I mean, Rambo, what, what does that look like as a cocktail? It's a big, heavy, intense, sipping <laughs> yeah. cocktail. You know, that's what Rambo would probably want to drink if I was going to make an assumption. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Rambo wants a daiquiri. Who knows? <laughs> it's not the point. The point is, in the office, we can do that. We can kind of play with anything you can really dream up, mm-hmm. uh, aside from having vintage spirits, which in itself are a whole other thing to offer. You know, with bourbon having this great renaissance that it's been having in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. that sort of thing is, is an incredible thing to show people. Everybody really loves Pappy Van Winkle. I, I have I have whiskey from the Sitzawella distillery before it was even called Pappy Van Winkle. You know, I, I've got stuff going back, old Fitzgeralds to the 50s. That's pretty cool yeah. from, a, from a, a consumer standpoint. And honestly, from an employment standpoint, I've learned more about the history of, of our industry, of mm-hmm. spirits in general working here than I ever knew existed. Um, it plays really well to clientele that want a bit more of a private aspect. Okay. You know, if you want to do a group and you want to be in the office, it, it's Hamona Birico and, and Beef Tartare and Foie Gras and dealer's choice cocktails. Mm-hmm. The aviary is by nature going to have to be a little more structured. We only have a certain set of cocktails. Typically for a large group, we would serve rounds and everybody in the fr- would get the same cocktail for the first round. Mm-hmm. And they would see a really incredible presentation. They'd experience a really cool flavor, but we would kind of design it for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're talking about cocktails like we do it, it's it's a little more difficult for people to to get it quickly you know if I put 17 menus in the hands of 17 people it's gonna take them 35 minutes to order a round of drinks right um, we do what we do in the way that we do to actually enhance their experience you know people coming in for a private event they they want to enjoy themselves let's get you some cocktails please sure. and if you don't like them I'll get you something else but please let me put a cocktail in your hand mm-hmm. it's great um, anything up to a full buyout of 200 plus people uh, down to a group of 12, 15. We had a group of 17 just the other day. Uh, and we closed off part of our dining room for them to enjoy what we do. Seems phenomenal. So what kind of clientele do you guys attract? Is it like a dress code? Like what, what, if someone's coming on for the evening, what should they expect in that region? Uh, we, we ask the gentlemen to remove their hats when they come in. Okay. Um, we have a sign outside that says dress code enforced. Mm-hmm. It, it's more so that we can keep someone who's shirtless from coming in, right. you know. Uh, but people in tank tops, more than welcome. The flip-flops are totally fine. Uh, we will also get people in Armani suits. You'll, you'll get women wearing Manola Blahniks. It, it, it's a really interesting mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think that there's a single person that shouldn't come to the aviary based on who they are or what they like. Uh, I think we have something available on our menu for anyone, even if they don't like alcohol. You know, it's the kind of place where we want to be able to share what we do with everybody, mm-hmm. and we want to make it approachable for everybody. Anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with before we sign off? Um, if you haven't experienced what we do, uh, I really think it's worth seeing at least once. If you're not from Chicago, the trip is, is worth it, even if we're just a part of it. If you come to Chicago, it's one of the best cities in the country to spend uh, a food vacation. Um, Definitely agree. And I, I think that what we do is unique enough that it, it's worth seeing. It is. Thanks for your time, Anthony. I really appreciate it. Of course. This was just a phenomenal episode. As I kind of mentioned, we did this right at like the chef's table, right in the middle of everything going on with his team getting everything prepared. I was just so excited to learn more about the background on the aviary. I actually had a chance to stop in there with some friends a few months back and 
things finally clicked with Anthony and my schedules. We had a chance to sit down. He showed me around the aviary, the different locations they have inside, like the different spots for customers inside the actual building. It was so phenomenal. It was so exciting to see someone with so much knowledge bringing all that information to you as a customer, just enjoying your full experience. I would definitely be going back a ton, definitely bringing some friends with me. So definitely reach out if you want to come check it out with me. I hope you guys really enjoyed the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference, those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food. We'd just like to give a quick shout out to our sponsors for the show, NextMe, an app that promises to take the guesswork out of restaurant waits. For restaurants, adding a party to the app is easier than pen and paper. Easy peasy. For diners, it's simple to see exactly what place they are in line and gives them a close approximate wait time until they are actually seated. Unlike clunky pager systems, NextMe can be downloaded onto cell phones for diners and features an automated system that can be downloaded on either an iPhone or iPad for restaurants. NextMe is taking on the weight of the world. They are the go-to waitlist app for restaurant employees. Check them out at nextmeapp.com. That's N-E-X-T-M-E-A-P-P.com. Also, for all your sports nutrition needs, look no further than Lamp Enterprises. Our product lines have exactly what you need, pre- to post-workout, to get you the most out of your training and help you reach your personal goals, no matter what your fitness level. Thanks everyone for listening. Hopefully you learned something new or at least were able to share a few laughs with us. Until next time.